Hey everybody, welcome back to the latest episode of the Inside Columbia Basketball Podcast. We have a big show today. We're going to recap uh, last weekend's sweep, the men and women, both top Cornell. And the second part of the episode is really big. Uh, we have Dean Kowalski, runner-up on season 39 of Survivor. So stick around and uh, make sure you listen to the interview with that. Me and Megan Ross are going to talk to G- Dean in the second half of this episode. But first, we're going to recap last weekend's events. Uh, once again, I'm Mike Kowalski, joined by Kyle Matrician and me- the aforementioned Megan Rojas. Welcome aboard, guys. Mike. Let's go. I'm excited for the to hear the second part of this podcast that I will not be a part of. And I'm just going to throw it out there. Call myself out Get ahead before of you curve. guys do. Get ahead. <laughs> uh, I have a bowling league tonight, so I will not be around to interview Dean. You know, I just, you know, work-life balance, Mike. <laughs> work-life balance. What it's kind my, of a It's my once-a-week thing. Unless uh, you bowl a 300, it's not worth it. Uh, I'm just saying right yeah, But now. I didn't, uh, you know, I <laughs> I think it's going to be a great interview that you guys have with Dean. I think a lot of people are going to be interested. I, I'm looking forward to listening you. to it. My, you know, I'm going to miss You kind of hold it all together, you know? This better be the best you bowl. I better have a good night because if yeah. I bowl terribly, you're gonna wish you were here. <sighs> I'm gonna be pretty upset. Gonna <laughs> 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 be pretty upset. All right, but enough about me and my Wednesday night bowling league over in Lyndhurst, New Jersey. <laughs> shout out to one the John. quick question. Shout actually. out to <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. No, we, we said enough. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I just have one question. Do you all wear? <laughs> you have matching shirts. Matching shirts. No, I would like to, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to be there someday. Okay. Uh, you know, that's a priority for next year. I think. Okay. I okay. One more. Arm uh, wrist guards. I don't wear one. No. Okay. Probably after I break my wrist one time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with the wrist guard. Okay. Uh, we're here to talk Columbia basketball. Uh, really good start for both teams, Mike. Uh, I'll let you kind of take this one at the beginning. Uh, the men's team. With a victory over a very convincing victory over Cornell, like jumped out to a 48-29 halftime lead, and I can't remember the final score. I'm sure that you do. And on the women's side, a really competitive game, pretty much the entire way. And the women pulled out yet another fourth quarter comeback, their fifth of the year to improve to 10 and four, ties their best start in the program's Division One era, which dates back to 1986-87. So that's huge for them. And like I said, their fifth fourth quarter comeback of the year. But, Mike, why don't you start on the men's side? Just, uh, you know, what you saw on Saturday, uh, the positives, and really the men just getting a clean slate and taking full advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously both teams had huge performances out of their their first years in Jack Forrest and Abby Shue. Uh, Jack really set the tone early. Cornell took an early lead, and was able, Jack was able to score eight straight points, uh, give Columbia the lead for good. And I think a big key is, you know, he's not – unheralded by any stretch, but Mike Smith had some big buckets towards the end of the first half and opened up that 19-point half-time lead. And Columbia was able to hold off a couple runs by Cornell in the second half, uh, keep them they, – they maintained a double-figure lead for the entire second half and was able to get you know a pretty convincing win to start Ivy League play to kind of start things off in the right direction. Um, yeah, so it was a really good it was a really good start for for them to get some confidence going into Ithaca this weekend. Uh, never an easy challenge to play a team back to back, as we've we've seen uh, in years past. Uh, you can kind of throw out the results of the first game out the window because it's going to be a completely d- different game in Newman. Hundred percent. I think we've seen that on the women's side too. Row, why don't you give us some insight into the women's program uh, a little bit that you saw on the performance, you know, from the ops chair. On Saturday. From the ops, <laughs> from five <laughs> chairs deep. Um, I mean, we love a good fourth quarter, clearly. Our fourth quarter comeback, I think we had 28 points in the fourth quarter. We did. We did. Abby Shue, rookie of the, 
week. Rookie of the week. I see what you almost did there, I almost though. said year. Oh, my God. Knock on wood. Um, yeah, I mean, we did really well down the stretch. I thought coming out of halftime, we were doing well, and then we kind of just stepped on the gas and showed them that we've been preparing for them for two weeks. And now we have another shot this Saturday, so just kind of doing what we do best and keep that fourth quarter rolling into the next four. I said to Mike during the middle of the women's game, and I know like defense is probably lacking if you talk to both coaching staffs. They're probably not happy with the defensive performance in the first half. But to me, it just looked like a really competitive, high-level basketball game where both teams were creating open looks and hitting open looks. Like Obviously, Cornell had a four-point lead there at halftime, but they were kind of playing you know, our game. Uh, they were you know, racing up and down the floor, a lot of possessions, a lot of shots. Third quarter, the game slowed down a little bit, mm-hmm. but then like we talked about, just kind of took over in the fourth quarter with a whole bunch of threes, especially like clutch three-pointers by Abby and Sienna especially. Yeah, for sure. They definitely were playing our pace and our style in the first half, kept up, and then I think at halftime we're like, all right, let's try to play our game. So in the third quarter they definitely slow the ball down. There's a few like end-of-shot clock um, moments where we pulled it out and like got the rebound even though they're pretty big across the board. And then the fourth quarter we just went back to how we were playing. Um, I would say in the first half and just kind of hit some huge buckets like Abby shoes, Sienna, trying to think. Who Hannah else hit a Hannah huge one yeah. in between. Hit a three. <laughs> yep. We were five for nine. In the third quarter from three. I'm sorry, no, the fourth, fourth quarter. quarter fourth yeah. quarter. That's what I meant. Fourth quarter from yeah. three, five for nine. Which in a lot of games in past, um, a lot of past games, those are the shots that we're like, oh, oh, my God. If that just went in, it would be a different like yeah. feeling right now. So shout out to those three who really – I don't know, locked in and let it rain. Yeah, and how about the crowd on Saturday for the women's game? I oh, mean, it was awesome. It was, I think we put down almost 1,000 people in the attendance. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that was a real number. I mean, and the crowd was into it. It's, I think it always helps when the visiting team brings some fans to kind of bring a little bit more energy into some the – into yeah, yeah, some yeah. juice into the arena. Because so. our fans don't want to be shown up, so if no, they get loud, they get louder. Sure. Yeah, I had some friends in the stands who – had been there for the first time, and they were like, are all your games like this? And I was like, well, moving forward, yes. But <laughs> it was like a good vibe. Everyone was loud. But, yeah, bes- behind Cornell's bench, there was a lot of people. For sure. So I think our fans were trying to Don't get me wrong. Up. We, we want to have packed houses in Levian, but sometimes it doesn't matter how many people are necessarily mm-hmm. here. If you have an Intuit crowd, it, it gets loud. It gets loud. It yeah. gets, gets into gym. it, and it's pe- people are right on top of you, and it can definitely get into opponents' heads for sure. True. Absolutely. Men, uh, I mean, men, Mike. Uh, <laughs> we talked I'm about Abby being Ivy League Rookie of the Week on the women's side. I know you touched on it just before, but, I mean, can you kind of give a little more insight into Jack's performance? Was that his first Rookie of the Week of the season? Yeah, first wor- Rookie of the Week award of the season. Uh, it's a second straight game, setting a career high, and he's been over 20 po- points in both of those games. Um, he's really stepping up. He started the last two games. Um, Ike Nweke was out for the Mount St. Vincent game due to a minor injury, but because they won the game, I'm sure Coach Angles is like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mm-hmm. type thing. So Jack stayed in the starting lineup, and he's really emerged as the secondary scoring option. So moving forward, it's going to be interesting for him to see how he responds when there's a scouting report on him and how he can get some shots off. And if he can continue to do that, it's going to take a lot of the load off of Mike and pressure off of Mike. And another guy that's stepped up the last few, four games is Ty Bibbs. He scored in double figures in three of the last four. Um, so it, it's almost like now you have three reliable scoring options, and then you're getting good production from Ike and Joseph Smoyer at the five too. So you're kind of you're starting to see more balance out of the men's team, which could really uh, play dividends for them in the second half of the season. 
All right, I want to throw it back to Roe real quick because you're inside the locker room after the game as coaches mm -hmm. talking to the team. What was her message to the to the team? Maybe either it can be about how they played or how to stay focused for this week, but what was the message to Coach Griffith to the team after the Cornell one? Yeah, I mean, the inside scoop from the locker room, I would say, is she was definitely very proud of how they came out after the second half and how we prepared even though we had two full weeks. And those those two weeks feel like t 10 years. Mm -hmm. Every season they, they feel so long. So we did a really good job staying focused. We knew the scout. We knew the plays. Um, but coming out that second quarter, I'm sorry, second half and playing our game, and then that fourth quarter was, I think, she was the most proud of. Um, we're definitely very happy. There's literally nothing like winning at home. I don't know if we've ever won our first Ivy game at home. 2014. 2014. Yes. So none of us were here yet. None so. of us were here. <laughs> Not I that it here. doesn't count, <laughs> but <laughs> we haven't quite experienced that. So to be 1-0 in the league is is awesome. It just gives our girls, like, total motivation for this upcoming Saturday. All right. And uh, just to wrap up the basketball half of this, uh, I want to talk about the keys to victory this weekend for both teams. Obviously, we all just saw them play Cornell on the men's and the women's side. And, Ro, I'll start with you. What are the keys to victory you think this weekend for the women to come away 2-0 and with a victory at Cornell? Our keys to victory for sure, one of the main ones is going to be rebounding. We did an amazing job doing that this past Saturday. This is a team that's never been out-rebounded prior to our game against them last Saturday. They were number three in the nation in rebounding margin. Um, and we actually out-rebounded them 32-28. to 28. So that was something um, Coach Ross specifically, because he works with our bigs, worked on all week and the week before because we had so much time getting our girls ready to box out um make sure we go up and like not just come down with the rebound but like good outlet passes things that they are really scrappy and trying to knock the ball out of your hands i mean i think across the board they are bigger than us um so that's definitely going to be our main key moving forward mike what do you think on the men's side uh, similar to what Ro was saying, uh, rebounding is going to be a huge key. Um, Cornell did uh, out-rebound the Lions 37-33, to 33, but they had 13, 13 offensive rebounds, and that kind of keyed uh, their little runs in the second half. So to kind of keep them at bay, uh, Lions are going to have to crash the boards and, and maximize possessions there. Um, also going to need to try to limit Terrence McBride, who led Cornell with 17 points and 7 rebounds. Uh, they did a good job mitigating with Jimmy Beheim. Uh, he had missed the previous two games due to injury. So after getting back in game rhythm he, and playing at home, he's probably going to be looking for a bigger game. He's Cornell's leading scorer. So you got to find a way to contain those two guys and uh, continue to move the ball on offense. Um, offensively, Columbia shot... 50, 50%, almost 51% for the game, but I still think there's another level they can go offensively with um, that motion offense. Um, I, I know Coach Angles would like to get the assist numbers, continue to rise a little bit more, share the ball, and I think with more guys knocking down shots and getting those those extra scoring options, those numbers will continue to rise, and uh, if they can do those things, they've got a decent shot at uh, starting Ivy League play 2-0. It'd be nice to have 2-0 start on the men's side, 2-0 start on the women's side. It's always tougher to shoot in the opposing team's gym, so you expect Columbia's numbers maybe to dip a little bit, but hopefully still shoot well enough to win the game. And, Ro, one last thing before we go. We'd mm -hmm. be remiss if we did not mention Janiah Clemens' performance on Saturday. Oh, my God. 12 points, 7 assists, 5 steals all across the board was just fantastic. Jay was in the zone for sure. I don't know the last – I thought she was going to get uh, player of the week, but – 
maybe next she week. She was next nominated. Week. She, she was? was nominated. Okay. Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, so Janaya won Edge Player of the Week for our own statistical purposes. We have this sort of non-box score related algorithm that we use with some box score stuff, but mostly things like hard runs, deflections, um, charges, things that don't come up in the box score. So she won Edge Player of the week and has been walking around wearing a gold t-shirt all week so she's feeling good <laughs> moving into this week in a good place yeah all right i think that wraps up the basketball half or i guess opening quarter of this episode yeah uh i will be stepping away now and when we come back we will have dean kowalski former columbia men's basketball player and unofficial second place finisher on survivor in the studio with uh mike kowalski and megan rojas yeah we'll be right back after these words Hey, Lions fans, come celebrate National Girls and Women in Sports Week at the Women's Basketball Game on February 1st, starting at 3.30 p.m. Children ages 5 through 12 can register for a pregame youth clinic hosted by our very own Lions women's golf, women's soccer, and field hockey teams. Registration includes a Columbia Athletics water bottle, food, and a ticket to the Women's Basketball Game against Brown that day at 5 p.m. Register today and join us by visiting gocolumbialions.com clinic or by calling 888-LIONS-11. Roar, Lion, Roar. Welcome back to part two of this week's podcast. We're now being joined by Dean Kowalski. Uh, we are not related. <laughs> uh, although we, you know, I guess we get like a 23andMe and find yeah. something out and that could be a whole new podcast or something. <laughs> Your last name is, ends in a Y, right? Yeah, it does. We oh, spell it a little bit differently. Yeah. But like we, yeah, like we talked about, Megan Rojas is back with us uh, for part two of the podcast. So welcome back. Uh, Kyle's bowling, as we just discussed. Uh, hopefully he's having a good game and in his non-matching shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we miss Kyle very much, but we're ready to get this interview going with our survivor guest. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, we got to say thanks for taking some time today. I know you've been busy uh, lately and you got you have a, a nine to five, so yeah. thanks for taking some time today. Uh, I heard it's the hottest podcast, growing like crazy. <laughs> it really um, is. So I had I had to run up here. It's on the way. Yeah, out. You know, <laughs> took the express train. Nice. No, thank you for having me. Um, let's just kind of start. How d how did you wind up on Survivor? What was how did it begin? What gave mm -hmm. you the thought to even apply to be a contestant? Yeah. Um, so I asked people, well, when I tell people that I was on it, first their reaction is like, wait, that show is still on? <laughs> um, that's you, right? No, I <laughs> watch every 39 seasons. Um, and then most people are like, oh, yeah, I watched season one, but I've never watched it since. Mm -hmm. And that's now 20 years ago. Yeah. They're actually having their fourth season start February 12th. Um, so I didn't even watch the first season when it first came mm -hmm. out. I was more of an American Idol guy with my mom <laughs> on Tuesday nights. Um but it was actually in college when I started watching it. Um, it was myself, um, a fellow soccer player of my year by the name of Nick Scott, um, and a fellow basketball player of mine, Bar Brian Barber. We all lived together, and we just wanted a show to watch Wednesday nights. At first, it was Dexter. Okay. Um, I don't know what got us away from that. Maybe it was an off-season or something. Um, but then somehow we landed on Survivor. We loved it. We would grab ice cream sandwiches from <laughs> Ferris and bring them home and dial up some popcorn. It was great. Um, and we watched two seasons in a row because the way it typically goes is September through December, and then it comes back on like February through Yeah, they April. do like Amazing Race between yeah, I feel like yeah, seasons like of Survivor. Two a year. Um, and we absolutely loved it. And we still like have inside jokes from it and like <laughs> things we say that people said on there that p other people won't find funny. Um, 
we loved it. And then like I graduated, life got in the way kind of thing. And then the job I was at prior to where I am currently, <clears throat> I was in sales and I was like the entry level cold call guy. And then there was an account executive who closed all the deals and he was my mentor and like the smoothest guy I ever knew. And we were going down to New Orleans to speak to some companies at a conference. And we were walking into this one meeting and this guy just like turns around at the door and like freaks out. And I'm like, he's like my mentor, like the smoothest guy. And I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Um, and he was flipping out because on the other end of the table of H&R Block was this lady who used to be on Survivor by the name of Mama C, okay. who at the time I had no idea who the heck she was. <laughs> so I was fine. I was comfortable. Uh, but we ended up going out in New Orleans. They were like having a ball, the two of them talking about it. Um, I was just hanging out. Didn't really care. But when we got back, it brought... Um, this guy was Dan, me and him together closer. And then we started watching more and more together. And that was probably like five years ago. Mm -hmm. So I've probably watched every season since then, which is probably 10 seasons of the 39. So um, that would happen. Um, and then when we would watch, um, just like any like sports viewer, I feel where you're like watching the game and you're like, dude, he should have done this. Like, what the heck? Like, I, I could totally do that. Yeah. And um, we, we just sit there one day like, yo, why don't we just apply? Um, so I actually made it a new year's resolution of mine, like put time on his calendar and stuff. Like we're going to outline our videos together. Um, we're going to film our videos together. Then he just started ghosting me. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't having, it. I was like, I'm going to apply. I made it a resolution. I need to make it happen. So I just took it upon myself, made a, um, the casting video by myself and submitted it, checked it off my list and was like, thank God done. And I didn't expect to hear back. And here we are sitting on the podcast of all podcasts talk, <laughs> talking about it. So do you just apply online? So, yeah. Um, so there are like some people who are recruited. Okay. Well, um, I was not one of them. Okay. Um, the two people from our 20 people total who were recruited mm -hmm. were this one 60 year old, like Jack dude, Tom Laidlaw. He used to um, play for the Rangers. 10 years on the yep. Rangers. So, oh, wow. so like somewhat of a big deal. And then another big deal was this girl, Elizabeth Beisel, who's a three-times Olympic swimmer. Okay. So, like, they're recruited for a so reason. So, some athletes. Yes. Um, but most of the other people apply. Okay. And the first step is a three-minute video, who you are, why you want to be on the show. Just, suit, like, submit it online and cross your fingers. How funny is it that you were on the same season as another Ivy League athlete in Kelly? Was that, was that a surprise to you? Um, no, I think... Um, traditionally there are like a lot of athletes and I think they look for like, I don't want to boast myself here, but relatively articulate mm -hmm. people who like, like tell stories like in the confessionals and stuff, at least through the casting process. Right. That's what they kept on emphasizing. And then actually only like two or three seasons ago, there was a fellow Columbia soccer player, uh, Allison Raybold, okay. who was on the season, uh, David and Goliath, I think it was 37, maybe 36. Um, and so like, as I was going through the process, I would like reach out to her and stuff. So. I don't know, maybe for that reason, I, like, didn't catch me as a surprise. Right. What was the weirdest right. thing yeah. getting used to being on camera? Because you seem, you're, like, good on camera. Or, like, small <laughs> camera over here. Thank you. But, but like, not knowing. This comes knowing. with practice. Right, yeah. right. Poison. Um, well, I don't know. Like, you're just thrown in there, and they're, like, all up in your face. Right. Literally 24-7, like, while you're sleeping, they're still there. And you, you, to be honest, get used to it, like, really, really quickly. Wow. And I think it's, like... They, 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 don't, they, don't, they don't talk to you as well. Like, you, like we, we're here, like, as castmates and the camera guys over there, like, oh, my God, he's so cute, like all the girls are saying. And, like, they'll never react, never respond, nothing. So I think it just becomes second nature. Okay. And then, like, you kind of just start to have no filter out there mm. because, like, 
from day one, like you're talking about like, so like, where'd you just go to the bathroom? Like, I went in the water. Uh, did like the wave push it back on you? Like <laughs> what happened? No, I was going the like this. Takes. I was like pushing it away. And then like it came back on the flow. Like, so like talking about those things so quickly, I think like just made us have you no filter. So it was, it was just to yeah. the, and also like through the casting process, um, like ultimately um, you get to a final round of casting, okay. which is a week in LA at like at a hotel and then eventually CBS headquarters. Okay. And every one of those, they basically mic you up they bring you to like a hotel suite. They have a chair, a green screen, cameras and lights already like facing the chair. You plop yourself down and there's like Jeff Probst, the host, and like 15 other CBS people. And they're like, welcome, Dean, take a seat. And then they just like camera rolling like everyone on you. So, so I think how that trains long you is casting? Um, I think it varies for it varies for multiple people. Uh, first off, like that was this was my first time applying and I got like pretty lucky okay. doing it. Um there were people on my season who applied six years in a row and finally got it. Oh There's gosh. this one girl, Elaine, who um, applied in her 20s, 30s, and now finally got in her 40s. Wow. Like, this is some people's, like, lifelong dreams. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was just going to, like, apply and, like, check it off my to-do list. Um, so I I submitted my video in September. Okay. Um, I actually heard back from the lady the same day, via, same night via email. And she was, like, all hyped up. And I was, like, she got me all hyped up. And then she she continued to ghost me for three weeks. And I, like, left her voicemails, emailed her. Mm-hmm. And she I was, like, what the heck? And then she called me back. She's, like, sorry. Like, things got in the way. Um, then you, like, have a couple phone calls, uh, fill out an application. Then you eventually, if you make it to, like, Skype sessions with some producers as well as Jeff. And then they invite you to the final round, which it was for me was in November, right before Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, and then I didn't hear back until January. And then I went and shipped out in March. And then it March and April, and then it didn't come on to TV till September the next year. So when you get to Fiji, is it what you expect? Is it worse than you expect? What did it meet your expectations? Talk about that those first couple of days and getting acclimated mm-hmm. to the cast and the cameras and all that. Yeah. Um, at first, first it was amazing. Like I think there's just so much adrenaline and so much hype. It was like a beautiful sunny day. You're like, uh, they did like a huge section of filming us like pulling up on this big boat. Um, and they're like, so, so I'll have, you know, we, so I think it was March 13th. They flew us all to LA hotel. We had to like give them our phones and everything. And then the next day they actually like start pulling us from our rooms. And that's the first time we get to see who else we're going to be on the island with. And at that moment, like you're not allowed to talk to anyone because they don't want you to start making friends and relationships off camera, Mm. right? Cause it would skew the whole storyline. That continues itself for like the first. They, then we fly out to Fiji. Still can't talk to anyone. Then we don't like go directly to the island where they start filming. We go to this like holding hotel area where we're there for three to four days. And again, those three four days we cannot talk to anyone. So it's crazy. So yeah. like, the, then they were like this. The next day they're like, all right, cool. Like tomorrow's the day we're gonna go. Still you can't talk to anyone. <laughs> then you're on this boat. They're filming from a helicopter doing this stuff. Like you're still looking at people like who are these people? Um, and then finally. The boat pulls up to the island, and you're like, oh, my God, I've been watching you all week. Like, what's your name? Like, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. And, like, there's just so much adrenaline and excitement that it's it's amazing. And, like, yeah. for most people, like I said before, it's their lifelong dream to be on it. So, like, everyone's ecstatic. Um, that quickly fades. Yeah. <laughs> um, it wasn't until um, night three when it rained. We tried to make fire off, like, bamboo and twigs and stuff. We couldn't make it happen. The other tribe did. Mm-hmm. I think in episode one you'd see. 
Um, so we did not have a fire until night three when we first went to tribal council. We lost. We had to vote someone out. But then Jeff gave us a flint. Yeah. But up until that point, we couldn't make a fire, so therefore we couldn't cook the rice that they gave us. So all we literally ate for three days was coconut. And coconut is a natural laxative. Right. So that was very, very, very painful. <laughs> Hot um, start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then right after that, like that night, it was like pitch black because like there's no lights or anything. And, and if, if the stars aren't out, like you can't see anything. Mm-hmm. So we weren't making a fire that night. Then it poured rain that night. And we we were like lollygagging, having a good time the first three days. So our shelter was kind of crap, to mm-hmm. be honest. So the pouring rain killed us. And I can say confidently to this day, like every day after that, that it rained were like the lowest points of my life. Right. Um, like you're in one outfit. It's like tropical pouring rainstorms. Some people have like cotton hoodies on mm-hmm. and imagine just like dunking that in a pool of water. Right. And then having to like wear it and try to be warm in, like, amongst the wind and the cold. Nope. And we're sleeping in the or attempting to sleep in the dirt while it's pouring rain. We're all like huddled. We have like eight people cuddled together, like hands in other people's armpits to try and stay warm and stuff. Oh, my God. It's very, very gross. And then like you're all muddy and you're just hoping like I spent a, we spent a lot of time just watching the sky and being like. Are there clouds? Are the clouds moving this way? At nighttime, can you see the stars? Great, because that means it's not cloudy. Right. Um, rain was by far the worst, worst thing, and it stunk. And in addition to that, the food part, um, I thought, like, they would give us, like, a granola bar, a cliff bar in the woods. They weren't giving us anything. Really? So it was, like, it's real, real, real. I thought there would be some aspects. That kind of caught me by surprise, how difficult yeah. it actually was to live out there, yeah. They weren't throwing, like... Nutrigram bars at Dude, you. No, I wish. <laughs> I wish. And okay, clothing. Yeah. You have one set of clothes this entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which are right. you're, you're you're selling off right now, correct? Oh, they've been sold. <laughs> they've, they've been, been sold. sold. They were yeah. quick. Selling on what? <laughs> anyway. oh so, so for those who don't know, like Meg and perhaps you. Um, Survivor is like almost like a, has a cult following. Wow. Um, it's like the last 40 seasons, you know? Yeah, there are exactly. Yeah. It's doing something right. Um, I think it still gets like 8 million viewers an episode. Um, most of my friends, they're of the camp. Wait, that show's still on or haven't mm. watched since season one. It's like, yeah, I don't know, I'm kind of similar, but like people who watch don't watch it casually. They've watched every season, know every player. It's crazy. So they're like, they call them super fans. And then they're okay. like Uber, Uber super fans, almost on the border of weirdo super fans who have purchased my clothing that i wore for 39 days with no shower i was did not wash <laughs> the clothing <laughs> i did not wash the clothing on purpose okay. my underwear included was purchased on ebay as a set and it's all sold no i sold each one individually smart, i thought smart, i would maximize smart. profit that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man that's wild i mean it was crazy how funny is it that you went to the end with a guy named tommy sheehan that is hilarious. <laughs> I know. Who's our strength coach here at Columbia? Like, well, the, the did you guys fl- talk about that at all? Well, <laughs> no, we couldn't because, um, like, part of my strategy was to not stand out at all. So for those who did watch or do watch, um, like, you're there amongst 10 people initially. There's two tribes of 10. Mm-hmm. And if you lose the challenge, you go to tribal council where you have to vote someone off. No one, like, really – no one wants to vote anyone off, really. Like, the only – thing you want to do is just not get voted off yourself so if there's any excuse whatsoever that you could pin someone else down to be like oh we need to get him they just lied about this or to be honest the first guy was a poker player right so people are like oh he's kind of shaky like what about him um so like you don't want to like stand out too much be the loudest person the smartest person in the room so i actually my plan going in i didn't tell people that i went to columbia 
and I didn't tell people that I work at Google because mm. I know there's like two big, big brand names would like hit people right. up. There was a girl, Kelly Kim, who uh, went to Harvard and went to Wharton. And immediately people were like, oh my gosh, like, no way. We need to get her out like as soon as possible. So I didn't, we couldn't speak of Tommy Sheehan at right. that point. Um, I was Dean. It's not like they could have Googled him at that point. Though. Like, <laughs> no, no, exactly. exactly. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. I could have said my strength coach. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's a good point. But I just wanted to just keep my mind away from that. But yeah, I told him I went to Hunter College. Yeah. Um, I told him I played D3 basketball. <laughs> um, and I also was co-captain senior year, which I was here. Yep. Averaged two minutes a game. And my best friend was the all-league player. So, like, it was kind of all true. Right, just, a variation of yes, the truth. exactly. Yeah. Um, but which was funny because the se- previous season, um, there was a girl who actually went to Hunter College. Um, so I could have been screwed if that were <laughs> right. the season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're a season. You were on just the right season to get away with yeah. that one. You talked a little bit about your strategy going in. When you got there, how much did, you, did it have to change based on how the game was going? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I don't think that that much i mean i think part of the strategy also was like just be flexible Mm -hmm. you have to be because stuff isn't going to go as planned right Um, but no my in general my strategy was lay low don't be smartest guy loudest guy most athletic guy and for those who watch like i don't think i was even shown on camera in episode two right like that's not to say i wasn't talking to anyone but i wasn't doing anything outlandish Mm -hmm. um and that was all according to plan um and the idea was like lay low lay low lay low uh, people won't think like you're a threat or whatever, and then at the end try to like actually come to life and mm-hmm. and turn up and like I couldn't have asked for a better execution of that plan. Right. Like even all the stuff that happened in those last two episodes is still mind blowing to me that it like yeah. actually occurred yeah. at that time with all those wins and advantages and idle findings and whatever. Um, so I I'm proud that I executed my strategy. Getting second, perhaps my my strategy wasn't a winning strategy, right? Um, but I executed the strategy that I went out to achieve. Yeah, I mean, you speaking a little bit biasly, I you know I did watch the season. I think you played the game a little bit more than Tommy. To be that's just my opinion, mm-hmm. and I think it just depends on the jury. Like if you're, you know. You had to you had to vote off Kelly after she gave you an idol, mm-hmm. so that's not going to sit well with her, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you kind of understand why she's going to vote Tommy, but yeah. he didn't do much as far as gameplay. But that worked for that jury. A different right. jury might have given you the million dollars. Yeah, do you agree with that? I do agree with that. Um, I, yeah, I think that's just nature of it. But um, and it's, it's I'm not saying that's wrong. They did the wrong thing either. It's just different personalities and different groups. It kind of just yeah. depends on what what you get. I think that um, I also think like different viewers like find different things to attach themselves to and uh, i don't know maybe it's because i'm biased and a lot of my friends and your people like yourself are telling me like damn you should have won and obviously i hope they love me and should say that <laughs> and should say that regardless um but i think also a lot of the people i associate with are casual viewers mm-hmm. of the game um and i've gotten supposedly i don't go on it but like on reddit and like twitter like people are like damn dean got robbed and Thank you, Reddit and Twitter people. <laughs> um, but I think at least what I think is like that's the more bo- uh, casual viewer who's like into like all the winnings and the big dramatic moments yeah. with idols and this and that. Because um, like any of you are watching a movie or something. But then like the more subtle, like nuanced, like relationship game that Tommy played yeah. is perhaps what I think the more like complex survivor, yeah. Yeah. survivor super fan loves. Um, so I don't know. But 
It, I think you're right. Yeah, different jersey. Who knows? Yeah, like, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> almost. Yeah. No, I mean it, it was just really interesting. I mean, especially the last few weeks, a lot of twists and turns. Like you go into, I mean, even during tribal councils, I, I, I admittedly, I have not watched Survivor in a long time, and mm-hmm. because we have you know previous relationship and everything like that, we, you know, I, I got back into it, but I, I never remember seeing like somebody going into tribal council and just starting to stir up names, like throwing names out there just to see what's stuck. And it was, it was, it was insane. And (laughs) you're kind of on the edge of your seat. Like what is going to happen here? Like you had no idea. I mean, it was, it was, it made for good television, especially towards the end. I mean, to your point, there's a reason the show's been on for 20 years. It's, it's, and they do a very good job editing, editing it to make it suspenseful. Um, There were times like we were going to tribal council and like we felt it was just obvious, you know, like this is going down. And then you watch on TV like, damn, they good, did good yeah, job by yeah. you guys. You know? <laughs> did you watch it back yeah. as everyone else did? Of course, yeah. No, I, I, well, we didn't. Well, first of all, we didn't watch it at all. So we get off. Mm-hmm. We got back. Uh, it was March, April. We got back like April 29th. They don't show us anything. They don't like give us previews or anything. So the only time we actually could watch it was when it was on TV. So okay. every Wednesday we had like big old like watch party and stuff, Love which it. is fun. Um, is and cool. even at those, to be honest, we couldn't really watch it just because like people were yelling at me like grabbing me like what the heck why'd you do that and like <laughs> i wanted to like focus and like see what i said so i would typically watch it like the day or two yeah. after um like by myself and focus on it did you watch did you scout for this did mm-hmm. you like yeah. watch every I watched before? game film yeah you watch game <laughs> um, <laughs> so i found out like i said in like late january and then didn't go out there till march 13th okay um i didn't watch every season mm-hmm. um but i picked like the top ones that people said and watched okay. them yeah yeah Stole some game plans. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's dive back to Columbia because this is a Columbia basketball podcast. Mm-hmm. Is there any specific examples of stuff that happened here, either playing or in school, that you're able to use to your advantage when you're on the island? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, there were some basketball type challenges oh, too. Gosh. Don't bring them up. <laughs> don't bring them up. So yeah, there was this one um, where. There's like a swimming and an like obstacle course, and then you get to the final stage, and you had to pick two people from your tribe to wait at that final stage to ultimately take these like buoys and then shoot them underhand, whatever you want to do, into like three nets that were progressively further in the ocean okay. from this little dock area. And I really, really wanted to shoot. And up until that point, I had never won a challenge. So I was like, this is my friggin' turn. Is like, that? it's gonna yeah. go down. And to be honest, like, as. M- most people watching this probably know, like, or look up my stats. Like, I was not a, <laughs> I was not a shooter at all. But now when I go out play at, like, Tompkins Square Park and, like, yeah. Chelsea Pierce is like, you know, I put a little chip on my shoulder. Like, hey, I, I can shoot. Whatever. Kyle Smith isn't here anymore. <laughs> um, so, like, I still have somewhat confidence in me, but I understand, like, I'm not a shooter at all. But then I was like, all these, compared to all these other Survivor right. people, like, I have to be good at this. Yeah. So we actually got to that portion of the challenge later. Um, so we had to catch up. And I... Um, there's like one that was really close, so I just like laid it in. Um, then the next one, I think I made in like two attempts, and we f- we actually caught up to the last one, where we were going back and forth. Um, ended up losing, mm. um, which was like super disheartening. Went back to especially because like I was on the chopping block a little to get voted out, perhaps. Um, we went back, and I was so so upset, especially because on the other side there was Tommy Sheehan, yeah. <laughs> who I hadn't met at the time, <laughs> and he just looks like a goofball, at least to me. Like, and you said it on yeah, camera, too. Yeah, he's like tall, lanky, like, <laughs> and I was just like, gosh, how the hell did I lose to him? I ended up meeting him. We ended up becoming very, very good friends on the island and, like, playing all the way to the end together and find out he 
was a Division three basketball player. Okay. At um, Courtland, who's at Max? Yeah. That's my alma mater, yeah, which he, is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like supposedly relatively big time in high school, too. To be honest, I couldn't, I Googled him one day and I couldn't find it. <laughs> but supposedly he played at a Long Island um, high school and was like all league or perhaps even like all state in New York. Okay. And he was known as like a spot up three point shooter. And his dad, I think, was a coach. Um, at the St. Mary's High School where, like, Danny Green and them went, who eventually won a national championship and stuff. So he and I bonded over basketball a lot. Right. Um, and at the time of that challenge, I didn't realize. Um, so I was, like, really pissed that I lost him. But <laughs> now I, like, yeah, he's a shooter. I'm not a shooter. He should have won, <laughs> you know. Um, but actually the next challenge was basketball-esque. Yeah. Um, actually somewhat relates to Columbia here. Um, the challenge was, again, like, the whole obstacle course, do whatever, and then two people shoot. And this time it was, like, a like a 20 foot high like probably even more it than was that, almost like, like a huge. carnival like papa shot yeah type but setting. but yeah. like godzilla size yeah, yeah. like 50 feet tall angled ramp and then like uh baskets on each okay. and it was me and my tribe mate jamal who were shooting and we alternated we got a couple um and then i eventually made the last shot uh like right in the nick of time and was like so so proud to redeem myself and not like just be the one who screws up every challenge as i was up until that point <laughs> Um, but why, like I say, it somehow relates to um, Columbia is like in the water one, like I was shooting like a basketball form um, at Columbia here with Kyle Smith. Before every game, we would do like a walkthrough in the morning. Um, we would walk through and then like to end on like a positive note, yeah, we would just shots, line up, yeah. line up um, one at a time and then shoot a half court shot to end it. And we couldn't leave until someone hit it. And I just back then for some reason, I was always a good passer. So I wouldn't, like, shoot it from half court. I would, like, actually two-hand, like, chest yeah. pass it. Yeah. Because um, I always, like, thought I was good at, like, long court, like, big man running down the floor type passes. And so that's what I did on those because it was, like, so high up and so far that I was basically chest passing it into. And it reminded me of a lot of, like, yeah. the half court stuff, which also I wasn't great at. But um, <laughs> it worked out there. there. Yeah. yeah, it worked out there. We'll be right back after these words. Lions fans, we have an exclusive offer for listeners of this very podcast. Purchase $5 women's tickets for the January 31st and February 1st games against Yale and Brown and $10 tickets when the men take on Penn and Princeton February 6th and 7th. Don't get voted off the island. Redeem this offer by visiting GoColumbiaLions.com slash Survivor. Only available online. Availability is limited, so purchase your tickets today. All right, we're back. So when you wa- where were the watch parties that you had? Um, primarily in the city. Okay. Um, so my, I'm from New Jersey and my family wanted to come in Jersey. Um, to support me. Love stand that. Up. Mm-hmm. And also my mom's side of the family is from Long Island. Okay. So I wanted somewhere close to Penn Station. Um, so I found this place called Mustang Harry's, which is right there. Okay. Shout out Mustang Harry's. <laughs> um, they were awesome. We had like the whole second floor. We yeah. controlled the music. They gave us a microphone. Um, like Tommy Sheen came in from Long Island for a couple um, then I like can't uh, unhear our strength coach. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. I didn't really put that yeah. together when I was reading the final. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And like other people came in, like I think Chelsea was in town. Elizabeth and Jack were in town one time, so that was fun. There are a couple I went to New Jersey for. So one the episode where my mom came on the island, mm-hmm. um, we were actually did that in New Jersey, um, so a lot of her friends and stuff could come, which was cool. And then, <clears throat> then I went away for a little for work in around like Thanksgiving November time. And then when we got back, we had one episode left before the finale for which I'd be in L.A. for. Okay. So, and this time, me and Tommy were still left. So we wanted to do a huge one with all our friends, our families. And Mustang Harry's at that point just wasn't cutting it. 
Okay. Um, the volume <laughs> was like a little like not great and stuff. Oh, yeah. So we picked the sports bar on First Ave and First or Second called the Grayson. Oh yeah. Have you ever been? And it's like yeah. known to like turn up for like NFL games right. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had the whole back like I, literally all the walls are couple covered with TVs. Um, so we had like a DJ during commercials. They gave it to us and we like packed it out. There was like standing room <laughs> only. I think like Alex Rosenberg and some other guys were there. Um, but it was super, super fun. At this point, are people approaching you, like, trying to take selfies? Um, <laughs> this just happened before we did this. <laughs> oh yeah, does that, does that count? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Our administrative assistant, Danette Diaz, who I call my work mom, <laughs> was, I was talking to her upstairs, and she was like, what are you doing still here? And I was like, well, you know, I have a podcast. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're interviewing this guy, Dean, who played here. Like, do you remember? She's like, oh, my God, yeah, Survivor. Mm -hmm. Is he here? And I was like, well, not yet. And Mike came up, and she was so excited. Like, she ran down the stairs ahead of Mike and I. Um, but, yeah, so before this podcast, that This is a normal occurrence happen. now at this point. Some, well, also, also, the funny layer to that story was um, I spent four years with her, and she's, like, always around the basketball teams, as you guys know. And I thought we built a pretty good relationship, you know? No, you're peaking now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But, like, then we come back, and we play occasionally, like, Sunday pickup here yeah, with the alums yeah. and stuff. And there was one time where I was looking for Coach Check because he or helps us organize it. And I went up to Danette and was like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you forever. Like, how are you? <laughs> like, what's going on? She was like, uh, who are you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and this is before the show, obviously. And now now she wants pictures. Now of she's like, <laughs> yeah, she's he's on it. Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, has, it has happened a good amount. Um, at f Like, right after the new year, I felt it was, like, its heaviest. Mm -hmm. um, I like I was actually no before that I was in, I was skiing in in Vail like between the 26th and 30th and like in the morning as we were like waiting for our group to come together like my helmet was off and like two mornings in a row like kids came around to me like their mom wanted to take a picture with this funny um, at the Vail airport coming back to New York another one so that was like three days in a row then I got back on the 30th the New Year's Eve I was in line at Fairway on the Upper West Side um, getting like a drink for the night and some guy like taps me on the shoulder he's like Hey, I know this is random, but like, you should have won. Like, statistically, <laughs> statistics, it's like oh, your classic, your classic New York, yeah, like, yeah. Upper West Side guy. He had the Zaybars hat on and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a great guy. Um, and then the second, um, I was actually on a, f a first date with this girl, and we were walking down the West Side Highway um, with coffees, and she is a Survivor fan. And some random old lady came up and was like, oh, sorry to interrupt, but like, <laughs> just want to say you should have won. And like, she looked at me like, this has always happened. I was like, no, no, no. Did she know you were on it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of felt like a big deal. But um, <laughs> now I'd say it's like maybe once, twice a week. Um, yeah. at, at Google, like a lot of people have come up to me internally. It was funny. Like right after the finale, I got like tons of Google emails from random people like, oh, my God, just realizing you work here. Like, can we get coffee and lunch sometime? Like, sure. Networking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but seriously, like, yeah. I, am, I am looking I'm for sure. a new job internally. <laughs> so it's actually been somewhat helpful. We'll see if anything pans out. You for talked sure. about some of the cast members coming to the watch parties and stuff. Uh, you see it all the time, especially on shows like The Bachelor and stuff. Like, what is that bond like? I mean, you guys have been through a lot together. Mm -hmm. So, like, how, how much do you keep in touch and, and uh, follow along with each other? Yeah. Um, I mean, they say, like, in general in life or dating or whatever, like, having new experiences together, like, brings people close together having new unique experiences like is another level and i think this was like the unique of the unique um yeah like even amongst alums like there are less than 600 people who have done this right you know and like i i find someone on linkedin who went to columbia and it's like a special bond you yeah. know like 
find someone who went to Survivor, it's like, oh my God, like we've been through the same stuff. So that's that, and like the bonds are, are really, really special. Um, and like if you relate it to like Final Tribal Council, where you're saying like Tommy was on one tribe, I was on the other tribe, and like those tribal lines are like still very rich at the end. And I chalk it up to like those initial days when it's raining and you're building shelter and you're starving and like you're so ecstatic to be there. Like they're very, very special moments. And also like I felt I got to know people so, so quickly. Like, I mean, not to be brash here, but like to talk about like you're going to the bathroom, like in like the first 15 minutes you're meeting. Right. Like think of like your yeah, think of like your significant other. Like when do you get to that moment? Like (laughs) months down the line, perhaps, right? Um, but like you really bond like really closely and then literally some days you don't have a challenge. Those first well, we didn't have a challenge till day three. So those first two days we were literally just there with each other, no phone, no nothing. Like if you were out by yourself, like you people thought you were looking for an idol, so you didn't want to do that. So you were just hanging out with people all day, every day, with nothing to talk about, nothing to stimulate you besides like get to know people. So it felt like I knew these people after three days, like as well as I know some of my best friends. So I am still pretty close with some, uh, Tommy being one, still very close with like Elizabeth, who we started on the same tribe with, um, her current boyfriend, fellow castmate, um, Jack. Um, Oh, they're uh, together now. Yeah, yeah, they actually moved in together. Good for them. Um, They, it's safe to say like we're all close. Yeah. um, But also like you're not going to be best friends with 19 other people. Of course. So Um, there's some. No offense, but some I like better than others. Kind of like a team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But no, we all share a unique bond, and uh, when we're together, it's it's really fun. When you got back, was it tough to kind of get back into, like, having your phone and technology, or was it, like, was it like yeah. that? Like, how did you many ju- jump back into Yeah, like, jump into reality. How fast yeah. did you jump back into reality? Um, how many emails is one thing. Um, I, my birthday was there while I was out there. Oh, okay. Um, and so I was expecting to come back to, like, all this love. <laughs> And my Google phone is an Android, so it doesn't have iMessage, which is Wi-Fi based. Mm-hmm. And apparently, like, the text will try to push through over non-Wi-Fi, um, but they stop doing so after, like, 21 days or something. Mm-hmm. So I came back and had zero <laughs> birthday, <laughs> birthday love. I was like, did everyone forget about me? What, <laughs> what happened? So I was really upset about that. And, I, no, I, like, it was amazing to disconnect out there to be honest like i loved it um like i try to disconnect like every now and then i'll do like a sunday with trying touching nothing try watching no tv and like it's still just there you know like and it's still top of mind and then you're on the subway and you see everyone else like with headphones like i kind of want that but like there was like very not easy but like it was very rewarding to disconnect and like you kind of dove into it and accepted it Mm -hmm. um and i think it was rewarding for that matter but coming back i think i was just like so over it i was like give me all the food give me all the technology <laughs> give me everything and I, I i think by happenstance had scheduled a week um when i got back a week at home in new jersey at my family home um where i literally just like laid on the couch all day um and like my mom and like my sister-in-law like brought over cupcakes and i ate like eight cupcakes <laughs> in a row i had 20 pounds to gain back yeah so you I, lost 20 pounds yeah yeah oh my gosh um so I don't know. I, it was so that was nice buffer to have before I came back to New York and back yeah. to work. What were you craving the most that you couldn't have? Um, I I don't pinpoint it exactly, but the first thing I ate um, was after final tribal council that evening. Um, at on the final tribal council set, the like lights came on and they like 
all the video camera people, producers came out and they had like a little celebration. There was like champagne and pizza. What? So like Tommy, Nora, and I who were the last mm-hmm. three standing, like just scarfed it all down. Um, that was not by choice. It was just what was there. But my first thing I had by choice was then later that evening when we got back to Ponderosa, which is like the hotel area where the cast stays when you get voted off. Um, we went straight into like dancing and drinking, like right when we got off the boat. Yeah. Um, and then finally the guy came up to me. He's like, hey, so what do you want to eat? Like you haven't eaten in 39 days. And the first thing I could think of was a, a, a peanut butter and jelly. So I, <laughs> so I ordered two toasted peanut butter and jellies um, delivered to me on the dance floor. Wow. I had it, and then the re- Tommy actually copied me. He was standing next to me. He's like, "I'll take the same thing," because um, he followed me the whole game, as we all right. we all know. Your strategy, yeah. Yeah. Jazz. Um, but we had that, and then the rest of the night, I recall, I had um, a jar of Nutella, which is like my favorite ever. Nice. And was dipping uh, those crunchy Nature Nature Valley bars <laughs> into it, like on the dance floor, and I eventually slept with the jar of Nutella on my <laughs> on my nightstand that first night. They should yeah. record the, that. I know. That would be <laughs> yeah. a great well, like, so postseason. Typically, when people get voted out, they do record you like at the okay. Ponderosa like, hotel area, but that night they weren't. I guess they just wanted us to be able to let loose and stuff. Do they, I don't like, obviously know too much about Survivor. I'm learning a lot, yeah. but do they ever bring people back? All the time. Yeah. Oh, so this like, next are season we, is an um, all-star <laughs> cast, right? Yeah, so they do... Um, this next season is all winners. Yep. And that's the first time they've ever done that for their 20th uh, anniversary, the 40th season. But oftentimes they'll bring back like fan favorites or like okay. people who they think they got wrapped. So I get a lot of, I get a lot they of love. Back. I get a lot of love from people who are like, we want theme back, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, would you do it again? Well, first let me say like, I would love to go back, but I, I think like there's other people like Elaine or Nora who are like, right. their personality is just so big. Like, yes, maybe like I, if there was like a second place season, I would do it. I would get it. But I think then first, would I do it? Um, I can say confidently now, yes. And this has only evolved over the past couple of weeks as I've been doing like different podcasts and stuff. At first, when I got off the island, um, it was an absolute no. Like I didn't want to deal with the pouring rain. I wanted to eat. I just wanted to hang out and like have a bed and a roof, you know. Um, so I was like, no. And then I think throughout the whole season watching it, and and obviously I'm very biased because I had a positive outcome huh? and a positive experience through it all. Um like, you start to think back and watch, like, wow, I can't believe I did that. And, like, you think about, like, how challenging it was and now, like, how rewarding it was. Like, the lessons it taught me and, like, I don't know, like, gratefulness and, like, just dealing with things and being happy. Yeah. Um, that I think I would absolutely do it. And I, I seriously think, like, again, 600 or less people have done it. I would be such a brat to turn them down if they right. asked me. Yeah, and yeah. there's so many fans out there who want to play. Like, if they're, and then there's obviously so many less who have been able to play twice. So I, I don't think I could, like, live with myself i said no <laughs> turn them yeah. down yeah yeah i don't know if i would you mike would you be able to watch yourself no there's no way well it's funny because i hate listening to myself too and yeah i do like when the confessionals i'd be like oh, like, oh my god especially if i said something stupid and at the watch party everyone's like nice. at me, yeah. and like oh god well i mean yeah. the infamous line is the splitting of the vote <laughs> when everybody was there <laughs> so i mean yeah. and you got away with it too we we're like Know. You know, again, somebody that didn't watch for a long time was like, wait, <laughs> that doesn't that's make not sense. Right. <laughs> well, it's fun. they edited it. So this was like episode three, perhaps. Yeah, that was early. And the first few episodes, I had no screen time. Mm. By um, design. Perhaps, I guess. And this third episode, like, was my basically my coming out party. 
but everything I did was the biggest goofball moves yeah. out there. Like I lost a challenge that we had a huge lead on because I was like the puzzle guy at the end. I said split the vote, which was like the silliest thing to say. And then like a while in between, they'd have a random clip of me like tripping over a log. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, guys. You didn't have to throw that in there. But yeah, enough. <laughs> this was like my coming out party. And that was like, I, I, I early on, I, I read like a lot of the stuff on Twitter and Reddit. And they were just like roasting me so hard. Yeah. Um, I ended up getting away from it, thankfully. But, <laughs> yeah, that, I was going to um, ask if you kept up with. So I didn't, but like a lot of my friends would send me memes and stuff or whatever. Um, and as we know, I finished really, really strong. Yeah. Um, especially like from a viewer standpoint, they're, they're on the DK train. <laughs> okay. Um, so my, my one good friend, uh, Sandeep, who played here as well, um, he said, he, he likened me to LeBron <laughs> Duh. and he goes, he goes like LeBron. What did he say? He was like, um, first they hate you, <laughs> then they respect you. And now they love you. <laughs> <laughs> so me and LeBron. Yeah. I mean, you're you're a meme. Yeah. No, I am. Yeah. I am. There was actually one meme that was awesome. So, I I think at the end, as I started like winning and like getting more of these challenges, like my my enthusiasm and personality started coming out more, just because I had something to be positive and happy about. Winning is um, Yes, and I started just saying like outlandish stuff in these confessionals, like. I just thought I was a boss. <laughs> and so there is one where um, that became a meme, at least via the Reddit crowd. Mm -hmm. Actually, if you on, on, I don't know if it's all phones, but if you go on Giphy, like in your keyboard and type You're in like in Dean Survivor, there is one of me in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there is a better one, at least on Reddit, because they come up with everything. I don't know if it's mainstream. Um, when I had like the immunity idol that I won, I had the idol nullifier and I had a, um, the hidden immunity idol. And I called it my bling, bling, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, Mama, look at me now. Like, I'm not a hoopball anymore or something. And there was um, one meme around New Year's that's like 2020 goals, um, chilling and blinged out. Because I, I called myself DK Chillin. Shout out to Instagram. DK. Follow me on DK Chillin. <laughs> I was gonna get was that your Instagram yeah. before? You yeah, kidding? yeah, before, oh, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, yeah. And then, actually funny, on the show, like, people started calling me DK Chillin. So... Then the producers and the cameramen started referring to it as well. <laughs> and they would ask me in confessionals, like, what does DK Chillin mean? <laughs> like, what is the embodiment of that? Um, and so that became, like, the Reddit meme. Like, I want to be DK Chillin and blinged out in 2020. <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah. New Year's resolution. Yeah. So we'll close it out by just asking, you know, are you still following the team? Are you close to the program now? And, and how close are you paying attention to everything going on with Columbia basketball? Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, like, since I've graduated – like it has weaned progressively um, as I've gotten further and further away from it. I still feel like very attached to the program itself um, and the gym and the community. Um, but when it comes to like individual players, unfortunately, like and the record all season, I haven't been following too much of it. Um, but like we've had other stuff going on to be fair. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um, but no, I still feel like connected with the coaches um, for all of our alumni who are listening. Like we're trying, we've been trying like every Sunday, we have the court, the coaches give it to us um, to get some pickup going. And to be honest, like maximally we'll get like 11, 12 people. Mm -hmm. um, we could, we'll take them all. Yeah. We'll take them all. So whoever's listening out there, hit me up um, <laughs> and we'll put you in the group and make it happen. But no, that's been fun. And like reconnecting with those older guys. And like, I want it, I want it to be a thing where like once kids graduate, like they know, okay, like I still have something to look forward to if I yeah. stick around the city and I'll still be here every Sunday um, and go into games. But yeah, I was just away last weekend. Um, so I wasn't able to make the Cornell game. Um, but when we're back in two weeks, should be around. Great.
Mm-hmm. Well, that's all the time we have. Ro, thanks for yeah. hopping on with us. Dean, of course. thanks again, Thank man. This guys. is a lot of fun. It was a lot, a lot of, fun. of fun. So uh, best of luck. We'll see you at games. Hopefully alumni weekend coming up in the next yep. couple of weeks. So just a reminder, both men's and women's programs are at Cornell this weekend, this, this Saturday, January 25th. Women start at 1. Men tip off at approximately 4 p.m. You can watch both games on ESPN+. So that'll do it for this week's episode, and we'll Ooh. talk to you again next week. Boom. Go Lions. The Inside Columbia Basketball Podcast is hosted by Mike Kowalski, Kyle Matrician, and Megan Rojas, and is a production of the Columbia University Department of Intercollegiate Athletics. Special thank you to our guest this week, Dean Kowalski. Our commercial reads are provided by Aisley Carter. For tickets to upcoming games, be sure to visit GoColumbiaLions.com slash tickets or call the box office at 888-LIONS-11. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.